Welcome to OK-ish, a podcast all about mental health in the modern world. I'm Mary Ellen Dance, a licensed mental health therapist, here to strip away misunderstandings about therapy and share exactly what I do in an honest way. Don't worry, you won't hear inspirational quotes or be told to spend more time doing self-care. I'm here to get to the real stuff using my own experiences as a therapist and as a really messy human being. Come and laugh at yourself with me as you learn not how to become great, but how to become okay-ish. Welcome to okay-ish. As always, I'm your host, Mary Ellen, and I am so, so excited to have you here today. But before we dive in, I have a few exciting announcements. I mentioned this last episode, but I will be taking a month-long break after the episode on August 11th. August 11th is actually the one-year anniversary of OK-ish. Yay! I'm so excited. So we'll definitely be doing something fun for that. But after that, I'm going to take a month-long break, and there won't be another new episode until Wednesday, September 22nd. On Wednesday, September 22nd, I will get back to doing weekly episodes. I'm just taking a break to do some some fun things and, you know, just living live the okay-ish life. Other thing I wanted to say before I go into today is I need all of your help. If you have been in therapy and are willing to talk about it, possibly, you know, like during an episode of this very show, I would love to have you on. I want to get more people on and I'm doing something cool with it. And so send me a message on Instagram at Mary Ellen Dance and we can chat more about that. Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamer Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off of your plate. You can just focus on creating engaging content while they focus on the recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 different platforms. So easy, log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end, ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, the producer of this podcast, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com slash studios. All right. So two weeks ago, I talked all about attachment styles. And then last week, I chatted about the differences or rather lack thereof between men and women. Go back and check out those episodes if you haven't yet, because I will be referencing some of the things I talked about in those episodes today, because today I want to get to what we've all been waiting for, and that's love. Today, I'm going to share the two major types of love, romantic love, the two major predictors of who you will love, 
And lastly, because I feel like I can't really talk about love without talking about it, I'll touch a little bit on the five love languages and the best ways to love. So strap in because I'm really excited because this is fun to talk about. And as I'm saying this, I feel like I should be having the song, uh, Frank Sinatra's song, Love, on the background. I didn't plan that well. (laughs) All right. So let's jump in. So there are two main types of love. They are passionate and companionate. So by those two names, we can pretty much guess what they each mean. But passionate love is that whirlwind of intense emotions and passion. And companionate is all about affection and trust. And here's the thing with these two types of love. Passionate is fun. We all know and probably can relate to that. But it often does not turn into companionate love. It absolutely can. It is very possible for passionate love to turn into companionate love. But not always. And, you know, it makes me wonder if part of the reason the divorce rate is so high is because people get married based off of this passionate love and then it doesn't grow into the companionate love. Because passionate love is short term. It's not sustainable. It's not what... 50-year marriages are based off of. Honestly, one of the most annoying things that I hear when people come in for couples counseling is when they're like, I just don't feel the spark anymore. Well, duh. If you're married and have kids and have jobs and I don't know, we just lived through a global pandemic, we're not going to feel a spark every day. So what we're looking for if we're interested in long-term relationships is hopefully that passionate love, but that it turns into that companionate love. Again, it's important to remember that we can have lots of passionate love and it doesn't always turn into that long-term love based in affection and trust. And you know, two weeks ago I talked about attachment and it's interesting when we're thinking about passionate and companionate love and love in general. Because the brain starts to recognize love when we begin to attach. So in the, la- in the podcast about attachment, I talked about how we develop attachment styles as infants, right, with our caretakers. And it's fascinating because as an infant being held by our mothers, our brains are firing in a certain way. They're firing certain hormones. And our brains fire those same hormones when we fall in love. Isn't that wild? So we've all probably heard of the hormone, the brain chemical oxytocin. It's also known as the hug hormone because it's literally released in our brains when we hug people. And so if we are an infant and we don't have a secure attachment, then the oxytocin that's getting fired in our brain is kind of going off weirdly and randomly and not consistently. And so that means that as adults, when that oxytocin goes off in our brain, we may respond to that differently. We may behave differently, right? So with that being said, a lot of people believe in a soulmate. And I'm here to burst your bubble and tell you that, unfortunately, that's not really a thing. Because 
I and most psychologists all believe that love is very, very much so a verb, right? And it takes work and all of that. Scratch that. It takes work and commitment and vulnerability. And there's so many things that go into love. And so, and there's so many things like attachment styles and histories and all of that that go into finding a companionate partner. And soulmates, they just aren't really a thing. Another fun fact that I will just uh, digress into is that uh, dating sites, like online dating, it turns out it also doesn't really work. Like, I'm all for online dating. I think it's a great way to meet people. I think it's great to put yourself out there. But from a psychology standpoint, online dating often doesn't work because self-reports, right, how I see myself and how I'm going to report myself in my little profile is often very distorted, as I'm sure we've all probably experienced. But another reason why psychology says that dating sites don't really work is because we don't know as humans why we're attracted to one person and not another, right? Like you can meet someone on a dating site and think their pictures are attractive and maybe they are objectively attractive in person and meet them in real life and have like no real attraction to them. And the problem is we don't know why that is. So that's why it's hard to predict dating sites a lot because we don't know the reason why I can have two uh, people in front of me that are both objectively attractive and be really attracted to one and not at all interested in the other. So that's difficult to predict. So that's what makes dating sites difficult. Actually, psychologists, ironically enough, love Tinder. Now, I don't have a great view of Tinder because I hear it's a lot for hooking up, but the reason they like t- the reason they like Tinder is because it encourages people to meet up quicker. And it's like if you meet up quicker, you're going to know very soon whether or not the attraction is there. So anyways, I kind of digressed with that, but I think that's an interesting fact. So like I said a few minutes ago, Soulmates aren't really a thing, but let me tell you the two major predictors of who we love. The number one predictor of who we love, I love talking about this because 99% of people always, if I ask them, they always get this one wrong. The number one predictor of who we will fall in love with over anything else is proximity. It's proximity. It's actually interesting. I don't know if this has changed at all in the era of internet dating, but I don't think that it has. I think it still is the number one predictor of proximity. And I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense, right? It's hard to fall in love with someone who lives 3,000 miles away. And some of my closest friends I've made from, you know, the fact that I'm neighbors or, you know, we were roommates in college, you know, like things like that, the people that you're closest with physically closest with, you become emotionally closest with. And the second major predictor of who we love next to proximity is similarity. Remember in the last episode about men and women when I talked about how opposites attract is a myth? Well, seriously, we tend to like people who are similar to us in looks, in attitudes, beliefs, values, interested, all of that. And I'll use myself as an example. I tend to date people who look like they could be my brother. 
not in like a creepy way, just in a way that I'm tall, I'm blonde. I tend to date tall and blonde people, right? So it's really interesting. So if you're, if you are not in a relationship and wondering who you're going to love, it's, it's based a lot on proximity and similarity, which I think, I think it's funny. You know, we all think of love and think like of all these loves. I know me, I watch romantic comedies far too frequently. And it's really just much more simple than that often. It's who are we close to and who do we get along with? Who are we similar to and get along with? And now on this topic, we've probably heard of the five love languages. If you haven't, there was a book that came out called The Five Love Languages that basically talks about how we all have a love language and we all have a way that we give love and a way that we receive love. And this book has been incredible because it's true. We all give and receive love differently. And we want to be making sure we're giving our partner the type of love that they most want to receive and vice versa. So the five love languages are the first one. Well, I don't know if these are in order, but one of them is acts of service. I'm going to do the dishes for you. I'm going to go get you gas, things like that. Acts of service. Another love language is physical touch. Another one, and definitely mine, is words of affirmation. You can give me words of affirmation all day long. Love words of affirmation. The fourth one is quality time spent together. And then the fifth love language is gifts, giving gifts. And so it it is really interesting to look at these love languages, again, because they they tell us a lot about if I am in a relationship with someone who they like to receive love and acts of service, and I'm just like buying them gifts, they're not going to see that as they're not going to receive that in the same way. Right. So being able to understand our own and our partner's love language is so beneficial for relationships. And this goes along with psychology and with research because the the psychology view of what makes relationships last is that you know basically psychologists say that predictors of a healthy relationship is if both people feel that the relationship is fair, rewarding and balanced. Right. So is it rewarding in the sense that I am receiving love in my love language in the in the way I need to receive love? Is the relationship fair? Is one person always getting their way and we're never compromising? Right. Or is it fair? Is it balanced in terms of really in terms of anything, but in terms of doing things for each other and time spent together and all of that? Psychology also says that intimacy which intimacy, oftentimes we think of physical intimacy, but regular intimacy is literally just like a deep knowledge of other people. And intimacy grows over time. And passion, on the other hand, is fleeting. Passion is fleeting and based on emotions. But intimacy grows and grows and grows. So psychologist says that if the relationship is based more on intimacy and less on passion, because passion is fleeting, that it will be a more successful relationship. The other thing, along with recognizing if a relationship is fair, rewarding, and balanced, 
and intimacy over passion. The other key factor in predicting healthy relationships, according to psychologists, is whether or not both people in the relationship are in it because they want to be in it. They want to be in a relationship. They want to enjoy affection and intimacy versus I'm in this relationship because I don't want to be alone. I think, unfortunately, that happens a lot because being alone can be scary and can be vulnerable. I mean, being in a relationship can be scary and can be vulnerable, but so can being alone. And so psychologists say that um, if both people are in it because they truly want the benefits of affection and intimacy, then they're both in it for, for the right reasons. And that's a predictor of a longer lasting relationship. So sharing all of this, I, I think that it continues to kind of prove the point that men and women are not as different as we thought, right? Men and women can both be secure, anxious, or avoidant, right? Men and women and everybody in between can get their heart broken. And men and women can feel all the different types of love languages and can experience passionate and companionate love and all of that. And I think it's just interesting to break all of this apart because this is what we all want to know, right? What makes relationships last? What makes people close with each other? And kind of knowing some of these facts, I think, can be really, really helpful in making sure that we can maintain our okay-ish relationships. Disclaimer, this podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.